Greetings from Cyberdelic Space. This is Lorenzo, and I'm your host here in the Psychedelic Salon. So, were you one of the lucky ones who made it to Dope Stock in Amsterdam last week? Yesterday morning, I listened to the podcast of that event, and it sounded like a good time was had by all. I'm sorry I couldn't be there myself, but uh, having been to Amsterdam a few times in the past, well, when I heard the chatter in the background and all the interesting conversations going on all around, well, almost felt like I was right there with you guys. And uh, by the way, I want to thank Bashful Daisy from Atlanta for giving the Psychedelic Salon a plug when she was being interviewed at one of the events taking place last Friday. In fact, uh, Bashful Daisy also steered their conversation around to uh, what turns out to be the topic of my podcast today, and that is the sacred and mystical brew called ayahuasca. And after I play today's uh, interview with Matt Palomary, I'll circle back to the discussion they had in Amsterdam about this wonderful spirit teacher. As you know, if you've been listening to these podcasts for a few weeks at least, I received an email from James, who is a part of a group that's going to Ecuador next month to investigate ayahuasca. And I use the word investigate because, uh, as I understand it, this trip is uh, actually accredited uh, by the university. So uh, for any high school students out there uh, who still haven't decided where to go to college, well, you might want to look into the University of Colorado if this type of uh, summer research program interests you. Anyway, uh, James asked if I would spend a little more time talking about ayahuasca in a podcast or two before they leave on their trip. No pun intended, of course. And uh, to those of you who wrote earlier to request the same thing, well, I haven't been ignoring you. It's just that uh, I'm really quite good at procrastinating. And uh, now that James and his friends have given me a deadline of sorts, I guess I'd better get to it. So I, uh, I asked my friend Matt Palomary to stop by for another interview. You might remember Matt from podcast number 80, where we talked a lot about shamanism, but only touched on ayahuasca just briefly. So it also seemed right to uh, begin with Mateo, because it was at an ayahuasca circle that he and I first met many years ago, way back into the last millennium. Unfortunately, uh, I interviewed Matt a couple of weeks ago, and since then several people have sent in questions that I should have asked him. So after I play this interview, I'll try to answer a few of them myself. But first, let's take a listen to a conversation that Matt Palomary and I had about Lady Ayahuasca. I'm uh, sitting here at the kitchen table with my friend uh, Matt Palomary, or Mateo, as a lot of us like to call him. And uh, thanks for coming back here to the Psychedelic Salon. I want to let you know you've got a lot of fans that have uh, joined us here around this table. And uh, so, welcome back. Thank you. It's nice to hear I have fans, because they're all realizing, just like me, that I'm a legend in my own mind. <laughs> Are we all? Yes. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I, I uh, had told you when we had our last little chat that I'd like to uh, get you back, but... Uh, uh, didn't mean to impose on you so soon. However, uh, we, we, as I told you the other day, we've got some uh, 
people heading off to the jungle in Ecuador for uh, their first ayahuasca experience, many of them. And I've gotten uh, you know dozens of others in inquiries about uh, ayahuasca, and uh, I guess you know maybe the way I should do this is to kind of just say, okay, I let's pretend I've never had ayahuasca <laughs> as best as I can pretend that, and uh, I'll just try to ask you questions as if uh, you know what's up. For example, uh, uh, how scary is this? Uh, you know, what, am I going to risk my sanity? What's what's the whole deal with this stuff? Well, uh, as one of my friends said, you, you can go to the agony and the ecstasy. Ayahuasca doesn't hide anything. Um, some, some substances that you take are just amplifiers. Like LSD, I read somewhere, is an amplifier, and I, I think I agree with that. So it can amplify perceptions, but it can also amplify fears or uh, shadow aspects of yourself, the dark, what you've been avoiding. Uh, ayahuasca has a particular... Um, intelligence to it that really seeks out the fear and exploits it and it's a wonderful teaching tool so um, I've been in some of the darkest hells beyond imaginable and I've been in some of the most sublime and exquisite beauty indescribable beauty that is difficult to articulate beyond words you know, you, you just said that it has an intelligence all to itself. Uh, you want to say anything about that? Uh, yeah, if anybody's spent any time experimenting with altering their consciousness, uh, some of us have made a lifetime of it, um, different things have different effects. You know, uh, crack, cocaine, and amphetamines, they're not, they're not healthy, they're not good. They will really do bad things to you. Um, trust me on that but if you're taking psychedelics with conscious intent you'll find that different things can affect you in different ways and some of them alter your consciousness in different ways even something like say 2CB where you can see nice colors and things like that digital whatever pastels um, but that's sort of the level of it, whereas if you take mushrooms, they have, they'll take you places you may not want to go. They, they have an intelligence um, of their own, a spirit of their own. Uh, San Pedro cactus, Huachuma, um, in Peru, in the Andes, and it has a, a definitive spirit to it, just as peyote does. And... Um, uh, in my humble opinion, and I think I'll, anybody who's had any time or research or experience in the field of it, I think they would tend to agree that ayahuasca is considered the highest plant teacher of them all. Well, I won't say that. Soma might be, could more, you know. Mm. But, but it's certainly up there, highly respected, and a long prehistoric tradition. Um, which is what appealed to me, you know, one of the strongest appeals it had to me. Yeah, why don't you say a little something about uh, how old the tradition is as far as we can uh, determine right well, now. Well, as I say, it's, it's, it's literally prehistoric. Um, it was used by numerous tribes in South America throughout the Amazon um, in, you know, hundreds of different ways, thousands of different ways, each tradition preparing it in its own way. And to think of the thousands of plants, and when you spend time in the jungle, I mean, all sites look the same after a while. It really does. Um, 
to figure out the combination of those two plants. Yeah, you might might say something right here because I don't think everybody uh, may know that uh, while there's a vine that goes by the name of ayahuasca, Granisteriopsis uh, copia, I believe, something like that. That's true. Uh, but ayahuasca that uh, is commonly referred to is actually a, a combination of plants. Yeah. You want to go into that? Sure, I will. Uh, and, and, all, and I'll touch on other things I know that interest you. Part of this ties in with the whole diet that goes around ayahuasca. And um, ayahuasca is made up primarily of two plants. One is the ayahuasca vine, Bonasteriopsis copy, um, which is a liana, and it, you know, and it contains uh, beta carbolanes and uh, MAO inhibitors. And MAO inhibitor is a monoamine oxidase, which is a digestive enzyme in the stomach. And if you ingest, okay, the other plant is Psychotria viridis, um, otherwise known as Chacruna, and um, millions of other names, which contains DMT, which is psychoactive. But if you orally ingest the leaves by themselves, the uh, enzymes in your stomach will digest the DMT before it can become orally active. It's a monoamine oxidase. So um, the MAO inhibitor that you come you combine. The MAO inhibitors within the ayahuasca vine um, are combined with the chacruna leaves, which has the DMT. And when you mix them together in the right way, in the right proportion, and of course there are as many different proportions as there are chefs of the world, um, you get different brews with different effects and strengths and things of that nature. I know it's been commented on a lot that uh, uh, out of the, the... Millions of and billions of plant combinations that are possible uh, in the jungle. Uh, how they could come down to just getting the right two plants uh, so that the DMT is orally active. Uh, are there legends down there about that, or is it just uh, lost in the midst of time? There's lots of legends. The one I always like is the one of um, an Indian woman of a tribe, and I. Forgive me because I can't remember the tribe, but a jungle Indian woman um, was going down by the creek, by the river every day and bathing herself in the uh, chacruna leaves. And she just kept doing it every day. And finally, one day, this spirit of the plant appeared and uh, said to her, Why are you, you know, washing with me? And, you know? and she said, I really like your scent and I like the way you make me feel. And, you know, and so they. Uh, Chakruna spirit said, well, go and find the vine, the ayahuasca, um, and bring it to the men and show them to mix them. Hmm. And, you know, that was how it started. That's a nice story. Yeah, it's a jungle myth. I mean, there are, it's, I mean the point of, of me saying is it's, it's prehistoric. You know? that, yeah, it's, it's really lost it's, in time. It's, how it's, the it's been from the beginning, but it's interesting that there's a real similarity of uh, archetypal imagery that shows up in the ayahuasca visions. Um, you know, you have like, like, you know, Pablo Amaringo is a master of capturing that. I read somewhere that even uh, when they've, they've given ayahuasca to Eskimos, they still come up with jungle imagery. Yes, which that's I find is true. That's what. That's why I say archetypal imagery, right? And spirits and. You know, you have the myths. I just read uh, the book you actually gave me as a gift, uh, Supernatural mm-hmm. by Graham Hancock. 
tied in all the fairy mythologies and UFO and aliens and things, you know, with, and alien abductions with, you know, DMT experiences. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I could, I could see that, <laughs> you know, especially after um, seeing, you know, my own version of spirits and fairies right. and things in the jungle. Yeah. And, you know, it it uh, it took me. I, I guess maybe I guess I'd used ayahuasca a dozen times before I, I really saw my first vision. I was uh, so disappointed in the beginning. I thought I was going to see these Pablo Amaringo paintings, uh, and nothing nothing uh, happened other than just some fireworks. Until about the twelfth, thirteenth time, uh, all of a sudden I could see the bass relief, and uh, now the the visions are more than I really like, quite frankly. But uh, it's. Uh, I don't think uh, maybe you want to say something about the experience. Uh, uh, what before we get into the diet again? Uh, uh, for some people, uh, what are they, their expectations? Maybe such and such, but the realization is going to be different. Uh, kind of go through uh, an experience, uh, one or two different kinds of ayahuasca experiences that you may have had. Maybe your first one even. Okay, you got me thinking. I want, I want to kind of address that. The question. I just say my when I first ayahuasca experience was in a group of people and other people were doing other things, and I got talked into bringing a younger guy with me who didn't wasn't experienced as I had been led to believe, and I started getting into the zone and he really kind of got out of control, and um, I think because I've had enough experience with substances. I could focus in and I shut off my journey and took care of him. So I didn't go very far, but I felt its effects. The second one, which was my first one by myself, was amazing. I mean... I mean, totally by yourself? No, this is in a group, in a circle, with a uh, a Peruvian uh, shaman. Mm -hmm. And... um, it was kind of comical because everybody in the group was having these dark, horrible, hellish visions, and I was blissed out. And I was like, man, I had all these things. I mean, I turned into like a human Roman candle, and I saw geometric progressions of sacred geometry, and, you know, I became Ganesha, and, and I mean, all these, you know, just, I was like having fun and bouncing around, and they had to come over and, and tell me to calm down because that was disturbing all these people who were in hell. And <laughs> <laughs> but, um,. When the um, ceremony was over, uh, the shaman from Peru, mm-hmm. uh, who we know, mm-hmm. um, came over to me and he kneeled down and he got right in my face, and right, you know, right in my eyes, and he says to me, "The mother loves you." <laughs> and I was hooked. <laughs> I can see how that would happen. There began the love affair. Uh, because they say that she calls you um, and I've heard some really weird stories about that uh, truly one woman went to church this lady went to church I don't want to get off track mm-hmm. she went to church she was like a Christian lady and she asked for guidance and what to do and she was really thinking about ayahuasca and she said if I should do ayahuasca give me a sign mm-hmm. and she went to church that day and, and believe it or not the preacher started talking about ayahuasca <laughs> and she did it and it was the right thing so it's not for everybody. You've got to be prepared to face some things. Um, Let's talk about the preparation uh, going into it uh, as well uh, and coming out of it, uh, starting with the diet, for example. Yeah, the diet's important because it ties in with the chemical balance of your body and your, your, your system. Um, 
there are some uh, antidepressants that are SSRIs, you know, mm-hmm. the serotonin reuptake inhibitor mm-hmm. uh, type. And that you shouldn't be taking. You shouldn't. No. You, yeah, you shouldn't because they also have an MAO mm. um, effect. So, for argument's sake, you could take what we might consider to be uh, a quarter of a dose of ayahuasca for somebody else could turn out to be taking eight doses for yourself mm. because your, your brain and your physiological chemistry is off. Mm-hmm. So the reason of the diet is to put you into a physiological physiochemical sort of state in your body to have a maximum effect because one of the things that ser- um, excuse me ayahuasca does is it releases lots of serotonin mm-hmm. um, people who well, I've had some intense visions where I'm twitching or flopping around or turning into a hummingbird I was going to hear a bumblebee um, or a yeah, hummingbird yeah right where I'm really my whole body's moving and I was you know doing some reading and they were saying that when the body really has high doses of high doses is the wrong word but high serotonin levels where it sort of starts to get uncomfortable, it will twitch and move to mm. sort of um, deal with the energy mm. because it's just a nervous system mm-hmm. thing, you know? Um, so it's like, so if you think shamanically, you're just dealing with waves of energy. Well, I've know? seen you buzz. <laughs> oh, no, I've been, I've, been, I've had the amazing yeah. um, condor and hummingbird experiences. Um, you know, shape-shifting what would be called shape-shifting. Now, now, the diet itself, in fact, I've yeah. got, uh, there's a lot of places you can see the diet. One is in uh, Jim DeCorn's book, Psychedelic Shamanism, which is a really good book, by the way. Uh, I've got a, a letter here. Actually, it's dated March 12, 1999. And, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, it was uh, they were planning for a uh, ayahuasca session. And uh, she has a, a list of things, uh, you know, of course, amphetamines and other drugs, over-the-counter cold preparations. But uh, essentially, alcohol, uh, dairy products, uh, pickled things, uh, soy, yeast products uh, yeah. are pretty well uh, prohibited, right? Yeah, those are all those things. Spicy foods, uh, sugar, if I mentioned that. Um, alcohol, tomatoes, because it's like acid, acidic. Mm. Um Cold, anything cold, um, you want to keep your system gentle. And the diet, the actual diet is quite boring. It's basic protein and carbs, and that's it. I mean, when, I, when I've done long-term diets in the jungle for 10 days, um, all you get is rice, oatmeal, quinoa, which is a grain, uh, plantanos, baked or boiled, and they're not ripe. It tastes like cardboard. And if you're, you know, every like two or three days, you might get a little piece of chicken or fish. That's it. No, and none of no, it's seasoned very much. No, not, no seasoned at all. All the, the oatmeal, the grains, it's all just water in it. That's it. Um, no salt for 10 days. Um, none of that. Why don't you go and, through your whole jungle experience? Just like... Uh, we got time let, for that? Let, yeah, let's go ahead. Let's, 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 uh, let's get off the plane in Peru and go from there. <sighs> Lima? No. Well... I don't. I'm, obviously, I'm not going to say any locations, but right. we go into the jungle, to and um, we go to a town, a good-sized town that has an airport, and then from there we go two hours down these potholy, muddy roads, dirt roads, which are they're freeways just about there in the jungle, to a village, and then from that village we take canoes two hours upriver to a really beautiful spot in the Amazon and so um, everybody has their own Moloka which is where you live it's a hut 
and you're by yourself, the next closest person is maybe 50 yards. And if you you know if you do it right, you don't see anybody around you at all, which is what I always do. I always get out on the very edge. I had reserved the last one. <laughs> There's nothing jungle on the other side. So it's you in the jungle. Me in the jungle, on the edge, <laughs> where I can. So you spend 10 days, and you're on this very restricted diet, which I just basically mm-hmm. said what it was. And you do ayahuasca every other night as a group. Mm-hmm. And then every how, how big is your group usually? Typically, well, they vary in size. Well, let's say average. The best size is about 14 to 15. Okay. That's the best, but there have been bigger ones. And then you work with another plant, a uh, healer plant. Um, so you do work On the off days? Every day you, you'll drink generally a pitcher of a tea made from this one plant. Mm-hmm. And then you do the ayahuasca. So each plant has a different interaction with the ayahuasca. works on you in all kinds of different ways. Mm. Physiologically, in your psyche, in your dreams. I mean, all these things. How is that other plant determined that you're going to work with? But the shamans just do a, They check you out and kind of doing sort of an intuitive guess. There's a, there's a lot of plants they'll use for people the first time. Typically, people will get that one. And then the more experienced you get and the more you do, the more different plants you go through. And then as you go along, the plants are harder to do. Mm -hmm. Um, The last couple I did were particularly difficult, although many of them were difficult in their own way. But the the things I experienced and learned of myself and um, were just quite incredible. You know. The plants just take you to places during the day. You're essentially a, a solitary experience. Uh, well, this is the thing. You're you're okay. You're by yourself, except meeting for sessions every other night. Mm-hmm. They bring you your food, and you don't have any routines. And so you're you're up all night. You're sleeping half the day, and you're right there on the river, so you can dunk yourself in the river. Um, no soap, shampoo, deodorants, bug repellent. No scents or odors, toothpaste or anything at all. Um, and you take a plant bath every day mm-hmm. of a special plant, and then you eat this diet, and and you know often you sometimes you know in ayahuasca sessions you you got it coming out both ends, you know? <laughs> but um, you have really powerful and see oh, so over time as you stay on the diet physically you get weaker, but. Um, the boundaries between your conscious and your subconscious really start to blur. Mm. And um, you have really amazing um, experiences. You have like telepathic experiences. And one of the things that drew me to it years ago when I first read about it was when it was first discovered by, I think it was Richard Spruce in 1865, something like that. Don't quote me on that because it's probably ac- not yeah. accurate, but anyway. They named it uh, telepathy. And um, that's something I wanted to explore, among other things. So, uh, now this last time, didn't you? Uh, what your your alternative plant was also ayahuasca, right? Yeah. So, what was that like? Well, that was intense. Um, <laughs> I did five sessions, and then okay, I would do a ayahuasca in the session at night, and then they would come to me the next morning by myself, and. I would do a dose during the day by myself alone. Um, and then ayahuasca the next night, ayahuasca the next day, ayahuasca <laughs> the next night. So it was eight days of one big long ayahuasca journey. And um, it was one of the hardest things I ever did. And um, it, I'm in the process 
I'm in a continual process of assimilation. Mm. Um, so that really brought me deep into some things and showed me some things that I hadn't seen before. And I came out of it with a whole new perspective and um, I've been shifted up a gear. Um, and don't, don't they do a, 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 an initiation, or, or I shouldn't use that word, but uh, the Ayahuascaros who are born into the uh, tradition, uh, don't they do like a month-long Yeah, there's, there's all kinds of different ones. Um, yeah, there's ones they will do a month straight ayahuasca every day. Hmm. Some of them just do it every day, I think. Um, but, you know, doing it every day could mean lots of things. I mean, um, I did some work with somebody a while back, and for a while we would take, like, a teaspoon before bed mm -hmm. and see what happened with dreaming. Mm. Uh, you know, things like that, uh, which are come from different traditions. It mm -hmm. wasn't just, uh, you know, it was this what they do. So it's used in a lot of different ways in that respect. But... Um, it really got that. I, I would. You want to talk about getting beat down? You know. <laughs> I can imagine. I can only imagine. But I also had some really incredible, sublime experiences, mm -hmm. and so in, on that level, I did the work and paid the dues and got the reward. Mm -hmm. But it was not. It was an ordeal. Ordeal is a good word. It was right. an ordeal for sure. Um, and then you know, when I came back, it really took me a long time to get um, sort of. Readjusted. <laughs> Get you all the pieces back together. Yeah, but I do have to say that well, it's always for the better in the end, no matter when you suffer. Well, on, on the occasions where I've done back-to-back -back sessions, I've, I've never done more than two days back-to-back, -back, but uh, I've been so surprised each time to see how how different an, an ayahuasca session can be so close together. I you know I know that when they're months apart, they're different, but just back-to-back -back sessions I've found were like night and day apart sometimes. You, that, one of the things I've liked about it is that it's totally unpredictable. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've had nights where um, I took big doses and didn't hardly get anywhere. And then I've had nights where I took a really small dose and just got launched out of yeah. the freaking universe. Yeah. You know what I mean? I know exactly so, what you mean. Um, there are so many factors that come into play. Your physiological state, mm -hmm. um, you, you know, there's genetic predisposition to certain people. You know someone who um, took it numerous times. It just doesn't affect them. Right. That happens every once in a while. Um, so you, lot, there's just a lot of things. I mean, you know, have you had a recent trauma in your life? Mm -hmm. um, have you been doing, you know, uh, 10 grams of mushrooms every day for the last year? I mean, you know, you might be burned out. I mean, it's, everybody's different. So yeah. there's, there's a lot of sort of uncontrollable variables that come into play. I guess what you're getting at is that while this is true of all uh, psychoactive substances, uh, medicine like ayahuasca is really uh, sort of like nitroglycerin. You have to handle it uh, with care. You have to. Well, that's a good, that's good, good. Because, you know, what it comes down to ultimately is that you have to respect it. Hmm. And you have to respect its innate intelligence. That's why... Generally speaking, the closer you stick to the diet, the better experience you have. And in the traditions, what they say, it's because you're respecting the plant, and so it's respecting you back. It's just like um, the whole issue of, uh, I don't want to get off track here, but um, the whole issue of, of the coca plant, like in Peru, um, in the traditions, you know, they say that crack cocaine and all the bad stuff and the heart attacks and stuff that happens from is because you've disrespected the spirit of the plant. Mm-hmm. 
if you respect it, it's it's one of the most healthy plants you can ingest in your whole life. It's got a lot of good qualities. But the point is respecting the plant. So, um, like I've heard that in like I think I may be wrong here, but I heard that maybe in Santo Daime traditions that they smoke cannabis with. Uh, I think that's true. I think uh, yeah, I know people that. Uh, participate in Santa right. Daime that, that do smoke cannabis. Yeah, okay. I don't well, know if it's general, but right. I know some people. So, in the traditions that I have worked in, they say you shouldn't be smoking cannabis because um, ayahuasca is considered feminine and she's jealous. Mm. And you're disrespecting me if you're going, if you're messing around with that bitch, you're respecting me. You're disrespecting me, I'll kick your ass. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <And> she will. <laughs> yeah, yes, she's capable of doing that for sure. So, but the point is, if you go in any experience, truly, if you go to, into it with respect, being open but not irresponsible, and being with someone who you can trust to guide you and watch over you, and any good shaman does a lot of protection work so that. Um, Everything is there, but it, it's a remarkable tool for self-integration. Um, but it can be bumpy. Can be bumpy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I'm. I know that uh, one of the questions that that uh, I'm going to be asked is, uh, well, you know, who are the good guys down in Peru? Who? How, how do I find a, a, a guide? And I, I don't want to be uh, in the position of recommending anybody specific because. Uh, uh, for example, the people we know are pretty much booked years in advance. So uh, I don't want to get real specific about it, but what kind of questions should somebody be asking and what should be, they be looking for when they're considering going to uh, the Amazon for this experience? Well, the best and safest road, if you can find it, is to find somebody who's been doing it and working with it. No, I'm not your person. <laughs> Um, and for me, the, I've been working with some groups, and you know, I can't say anything about. I've, I've been sworn to secrecy because if I said anything, I would have to kill you. And if there's all, <laughs> all these people, how am I going to find all you people? You know? <laughs> this is too much. <laughs> but um, if you do some research, you know, like um, Shaman's Drum Magazine mm-hmm. um, is, they, they do a lot of stuff on ayahuasca, and I, I think Arrowwood has considerable information. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the best thing is to just ask around friends who know friends who know friends in communities to find out if they might know somebody who's been doing the work for years. I mean, the first person I went to the jungle with at the time had been going there for like 18 years. Hmm. And I've been working with these particular shamans for like five or six. You know, I guess probably one of the uh, things I'd tell somebody is, uh, you know, I, I shouldn't say I advise somebody, but in my own case, I personally wouldn't uh, spend the money and take the risks without having spoken with somebody that I already know in some way and respect, who's yeah. been with that particular exactly. Iowa you know, that Somebody's already been there, so all right, if they risk their neck or found out, it's like <laughs> you don't have to be the brave explorer, nor should you be, because in in a lot of places. There's so much ayahuasca. I mean, ayahuasca is almost like Budweiser beers in the United States, in some cultures. It's just yeah. so much. It's everyday part of existence. So you could literally find the guy who's walking down the dark alley going, hey, man, you want some shit right here, you know? <laughs> and then there are sorcerers down there. Mm-hmm. And there are people with ill intent. There's a story of a woman. She was uh, 
caught up with these dark sorcerers and this beautiful woman and she thought she had found her jungle guru and gave herself no hands and, and, and she was basically like a slave mm. running around the jungle with her clothes on mm. you know go do this to that guy go do this to this guy this is your initiation you know and, and I mean it was it's a bad juju there you know, can be some dark sorcerers you can go down and get caught and don't whether you believe in sorcery or not um you don't want to get caught up in the wrong things. There's a lot of responsibility that goes with this because this is a very powerful plant. And one of the things I learned is that um, power, power in and of itself, is neutral. But the intention you put behind the power is what makes things happen. So you can take there as in anything, as in, you know MGMA. Can there's um, very easy to abuse, you know. Um, Tell me about it. I I did it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. It, so you have to really have. It's getting back to, to the whole respect thing, and um, you have to use common sense because if you get caught up in something like that, I, I'm sorry, and I don't mean to sound mean, but you, you you're not playing with a full deck to start with I mean yeah. you don't just walk up oh you, you're wearing feathers in your hair you're the guru here my whole existence is in your hands you know what I mean yeah um, good people you know these, these these people that I've worked with have done a lot they've taught me a lot um, they've done a lot of protection work that's primary anybody who's spent any time studying shamanism will tell you that one of the first things is protection because you, a lot of these things open you up Mm. You're opening yourself up. Well, what the hell are you opening yourself up to? You better be careful. You might be opening yourself up to the alien or something, you know. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, it has to come down ultimately to integrity. Integrity is the core of everything. Yeah, I, I've uh, noticed myself uh, on many occasions the importance of the skilled Iowascaro who's leading the circle and that uh, sometimes the energy can just get so uh, bumpy that everybody's having a difficult time and then they magically can smooth it all out but I yep. think just as equally uh, skilled Iowa Scarrow if they were on the dark side could stir it up And uh, oh yeah I've really heard some freaky stories and um, I've dealt with a couple of them Anyway, I don't want to you know, get off on a tangent. But. I guess before we, we finish this, one thing uh, I know it's available on the net, and I don't know that it's Jonathan's, but it's uh, Farmer Waska. Oh, God, yeah, we were talking about that. Yeah, we both had some experiences with that. How, what's your experience with Farmer yeah, Waska? I'll tell you my experience with Farmer Waska. I think I probably had the same. Um, <laughs> we probably got it from the same place. Probably same time, same place almost. But I did it with a friend, and I spent the whole night on the toilet and it was just like one long fart the whole night <laughs> um, not something I want to repeat <laughs> so so you know the thing it comes down to is is a very specific obviously range of MAO inhibitors and um, what you what you ingest mm -hmm. so when they make it in the jungle the way they make it the balance is correct even though if you're puking and shitting for them that's a good thing right one of the things they call it is la purga the purge because mm -hmm. it's cleaning you out and it does clean you out I mean it even has uh, anti-parasitical properties um, 
I've been, I've been amazed. Uh, in fact, just uh, not too long ago, uh, <laughs> I'd really been on on the diet faithfully, and I'd been fasting for almost 24 hours, and yet both uh, nights in a row, I filled half a bucket. You know, I don't know where it all came from. I wasn't even drinking much water. So yeah. uh, it's amazing what comes out. All those toxins just kind of yeah. come out. That's right. But yeah, I think this is another uh, case. I've mentioned I mentioned this in a previous podcast that. Uh, you know, there's always the debate between the plants versus just the chemicals. And I think in the case of ayahuasca is the one case for sure where I don't think they have come close yet to finding the uh, the chemical uh, equivalent. And I know that there was a lot of adjustments made on the harmaline tablets and uh, the amounts and that perhaps you could balance it out to where you would have a, uh, a DMT experience of some kind, but I don't think it would ever be considered an ayahuasca experience to, there's just too much tradition and, and uh, too much else going on there, I think. You know, you think about it, there's a lot of things like, okay, peyote contains mescaline. But there are other alkaloids in there mm-hmm. that can have all kinds of different effects on the overall experience. But when you take the mescaline out, you're only getting one particular essence mm-hmm. of many essences which you may not even have a conscious awareness of. Mm-hmm. So it kind of goes back to the whole uh, refining cocaine from a coca plant, same kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. You, you really, that plant has incredible ben- beneficial health qualities for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's one of the most perfect foods in nature by itself. But when you take it and you do it, just shit, just like refined sugar. Yeah. yeah. Refined sugar is the biggest poison of all, just about pretty much. Mm-hmm. Anyway, if you think about it, it gets back to the balance of sort of what's natural for the body and what's unnatural I guess uh, maybe just one last question here and then we'll uh, call it a day uh, what about doing it alone as opposed to doing it in a circle I've, I've never even considered doing it alone but I know some people think about that you mentioned taking a teaspoon at night yeah. which isn't really an ayahuasca yeah. ceremony but uh, to have a full blown ayahuasca experience do you think it's possible to do that alone I think you're losing out mm-hmm. and I'll tell you why because I did it mm-hmm. don't try this at home <laughs> But I got a good couple of healthy doses of ayahuasca, and I had taped my jungle sessions. Mm-hmm. And I sat alone one night and played my tapes mm-hmm. and drank a pretty good dose. Mm-hmm. And I got altered, but it didn't go anywhere. Mm. So I went and took another good healthy shot, mm-hmm. and it didn't change anything. So. I got a little altered, but yeah. Mm-hmm. My realization of that was that it's made to be done in a circle, and I've been in lots of circles. And in the circle, you join the energy together collect- collectively as a group, so that if one particular person is getting healed, everybody in the group is helping to heal that person. Mm-hmm. You have everybody working together for everybody, kind of a thing, and you do have very distinctive telepathic experiences in that space and and I believe it's because you're connecting with your hearts and ayahuasca is considered in Peru it's considered feminine because it's the right side of the brain which is the intuitive and the heart which is what's you know been been locked out so um, when you get in a circle like that and connect with other people and you have a a good leader in the group who is um, conducting the energy basically, because that's what it's all about is moving mm-hmm. energy. It's all about moving energy. Then um, you'll have 
you know, a good experience. Skilled Iowa Scarrow, in other words, somebody that really... Yeah, who leads you. Is it, it, I don't know how much more time we got, but it, um, I heard it said once that Iowaska is the river. Mm-hmm. And the Icaros and the songs and things are the boats that carry you on the journey. Ah, I like that. Yeah. I like that. So uh, you have the two component parts that go together. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's beautiful. Is there anything else you'd like to uh, leave our uh, psychedelic salon with? I know that there's uh, people all around the world that are uh, listening to this from oh. China to UK to uh, Bangladesh. We even have a, <laughs> a oh, download. Check, check out my website at mattpalamary.com. Better spell that. M-A-T-T-P-A-L-L-A-M is in Mary, A-R-Y. I love you all. <laughs> I think we'll call it a day there. Didn't you like what Mateo said about ayahuasca being a river and that the acaros are boats that carry you on your journey? The next time you uh, take an ayahuasca journey, that might be a good image to hold on to. I know that in my case, there have uh, been many occasions when it was the thread of an acaro sung by our ayahuascaro that I grabbed hold of and found my way back from some really strange places. And I, I guess that's one of the main reasons I feel so strongly about only having this experience in the company of a trusted and skilled Iowa Scarrow. That said, I don't want to make it sound too intimidating either. But uh, after listening to the discussion from the Dope Stock podcast yesterday morning, and by the way, if you, you want to listen to that or any of the other great podcasts from the Cannabis Podcast Network, just go to dopefiend.co.uk or subscribe to the Dopecast through iTunes or some other aggregator. They've got a a really good lineup of podcasters and programs, uh, which reminds me, the happiest man on the planet, my friend Queer Ninja, seems to have gone missing lately. So uh, if you hear this, Ninja, I hope you're okay and just lying low for a bit. But we really do miss your uh, vibe of peace on the sounds of the worldwide weed each week. Although my hat uh, goes off to Zandor for uh, a great Sounds of Weed podcast last week. Uh, I really enjoyed that one, Zandor. And uh, while I'm at it, I guess I should also point out that their uh, new Psychonautica podcast is really picking up speed. In the latest episode, uh, co-host Max Freakout and a chemist friend of his went through a very detailed but, uh, but quite simple method of extracting DMT from mimosa bark. And while I've read about that method several times before, uh, hearing them discuss the details step by step was really fascinating. And uh, it was Max, you might recall, who interviewed Daniel Siebert uh, the week or so previously. And uh, if you haven't heard that interview and are still interested in more information about Salvia Divinorum, I highly recommend it. Uh, I think it was really, uh, really builds nicely on the one that uh, I did here in the Psychedelic Salon with Daniel a month or so ago. And in fact, uh, I learned quite a few new things myself, uh, thanks to Max's expert questioning. So you might want to check that out, too. And and if you're wondering if I'm getting paid to uh, plug these guys' shows, uh, no, I'm not. And uh, they're not getting paid to plug the Psychedelic Salon. You know, while we we didn't all get together and plan this in advance, we all seem to be interested in doing our small part and helping human consciousness evolve a little by passing along any interesting information we come across. And while we uh, aren't all focused on exactly the same things, we do have a lot of mutual interests, and most importantly, uh, we're just like you and your friends, you know. Uh, 
We like to share our stories and from time to time talk about some things that uh, don't always come up around the office water cooler. By the way, the other co-host of uh, Psychonautica is somebody else you've heard me talk about, and uh, that's KMO, who also hosts the Sea Realm. And I'll put links to all of these podcasts on the uh, webpage with the program notes for this show, which, of course, you can find at www.psychedelicsalon.org. I'm not sure exactly when this is going to uh, be available, but... KMO is also in the process of uh, putting together a program that features Matt Palomary. And so I sent him an early copy of the interview that you just heard so that he could uh, come up with a whole new set of questions. And uh, during our email exchange, uh, KMO offered to let me play a soundbite from his program that uh, has just been posted today. And I think you'll find that interesting as well because this week's episode, which is number 30, is titled Vine of the Soul, which, uh, as you know, is another name for ayahuasca. Now, uh, after listening to the discussion about ayahuasca in the uh, dope stock interviews yesterday morning, as I so long ago started talking about, and, uh, and then thinking back to my first experiences with ayahuasca, it seems that the biggest issue in people's minds when it comes to having the experience is the fact that there's the possibility of purging. You know, throwing up, puking, whatever you want to call it. And uh, that is a thought that most of us just can't stand to think about. I know that uh, before my first three or four ayahuasca journeys, it was also a big deal for me, too. And uh, there really is no easy way around the issue. But uh, what is impossible to explain is that uh, as repulsive as it may be to think about being in a circle of a dozen or so people who are throwing up from time to time, it becomes so natural a part of the experience that uh, after a while you don't even have to think about it anymore. In fact, uh, next morning you sometimes have to stop and think back to even remember whether or not you purged. And while I probably don't know many more than a hundred or so people who have uh, used ayahuasca, not a single one of them has ever had anything bad at all to say about the purging experience. But uh, now you don't have to uh, only take my word for it, because uh, thanks to KMO, I'm going to play a short clip from an interview that uh, he has with Alan Shoemaker uh, about this very topic. There is another podcaster, his name is Lorenzo, and he does a show called The Psychedelic Salon, and he was talking about ayahuasca recently. Uh, with a couple different guests and friends of his, one of which is uh, Matt Palomari. I'd asked you about Matt a couple days ago. And uh, one thing that he said was that the purging on uh, ayahuasca uh, is very different from you know just throwing up to get something awful out of your body. And he, he described the, the purge as a peak psychedelic experience, which is not to be missed. Would you agree with that? Well... When I was working with my first teacher, Dr. Valentin Hampis, in the mountains of Ecuador, we were, we were doing Wachuma, or San Pedro, ceremonies. And always, uh, at some point during the ceremony, I go outside to purge. And one day I asked Valentin, is it necessary to, uh, to, do, to purge every time you drink? He says, no, absolutely. If you can keep the medicine in your system, it's just going to be better for you. From that time on, I, uh, at the next class I got, I talked to the medicine. And I said, look, we are brothers, so stay with me. And for seven years, I didn't purge. But having been in so many ceremonies and watching so many people purging and realizing what you can do by purging, not only releasing these things from your stomach um, 
in both directions, you can release a lot of frustrations and, and psychological uh, things that have been pent up in your system if you, if you are aware enough to know to do that. So uh, after seven years, I was kind of jealous, I would say, that uh, I wanted to start purging again, and the next time I drank, I began purging. So I'm still purging now. Uh, there is a thought that uh, when you do the purge, it channels up from your lower chakras up to up to the, your your higher chakras, and that's bringing the medicine up into your uh, blood-brain barrier faster. So that possibly the purge is an essential part to getting to a so what we'll call a higher state uh, under the influence of either ayahuasca or San Pedro. Well, if if you recall from uh, my visit there. Purging was something that was very difficult for me. It was hard for me to let that stuff go, and you know, even when I'd go out and stick my finger down my throat, I couldn't really, couldn't manage it. But then uh, at the same time, I couldn't hold down ayahuasca. So it's uh, yeah, it's a really difficult experience for people who haven't done it. It's it's certainly nothing approaching a recreational experience. I've heard so many people vocalizing as they're vomiting, and. Uh, but really, uh, professional vomiting, and, and I can speak from experience, <laughs> requires no noise at all. The only thing you'd really hear would be the liquid hitting the, the plastic bucket or the ground in front of you. But you hear incredible noises, and I'm always fascinated of what's going to come out of the, uh, the next person that's going to be vomiting. It's fascinating. That's, the, that's, a, that's a whole documentary right there. <laughs> well, that could certainly be a whole podcast, just the... Uh the recording of you know a, a ceremony with the Icaros first, and then you know eventually the the first of the person people going out to purge, and then the next. And yes, the, the people do vocalize a lot when they're purging, and I as I think about it, I did too. But uh, the professional purger doesn't doesn't scream about it; he just lets it all come out. Okay, I guess that's about uh, enough of that for today. But if you uh, still want to know more about the psychedelic possibilities of purging, I recommend reading Dr. Andrew Weil's book, The Marriage of Sun and Moon. And uh, I think it's the first chapter of that book that's all about uh, purging for you fans of the subject. Now, uh, finally moving on, and uh, by the way, thanks for still being here. Um, that we might have lost a few of our fellow Saloners with that discussion. But uh, for a true psychonaut like you, well, it's uh, just one more outlandish thing to think about. Uh, it certainly is outside of the box, that's for sure. I'd like to uh, move on to some of the other questions that I've received by email, but uh, after looking at them again just now, even though I do have opinions about most of them, uh, I realize I'm not the most highly qualified person to uh, be answering them, I don't think. And I'm talking about questions like, uh, is ayahuasca a good first psychedelic experience uh, to have? And uh, how do you form an intent to take into the experience with you? And what is this group mind thing I've heard about occurring in ayahuasca circles? And uh, questions like those. And uh, Like I said, I've got some opinions on them, but what I'd like to do instead is I'm going to line up another expert or so uh, and cover some of these questions in future podcasts. Uh, Hopefully I'll get this done before the intrepid Colorado expedition lifts off. But as I mentioned, you can find more ayahuasca information on KMO's Sea Realm episodes number 30 and also in his program number 4. And I'm sure that uh, there are a lot of other good podcasts out there on the subject. And uh, uh, So if you know of one of them, please let me know and I'll pass that information along too. I'd like to 
change the subject now and ask our fellow saloners who live in Australia to let me know if you heard of a plant whose botanical name I'm not about to try to pronounce, but I'll spell it for you. It's S-Y-Z-G-I-U-M, and the second word is G-I-D-J-I-B-A-N-G. <laughs> and to tell you the truth, just looking at that name uh, makes me want to laugh, which, uh, which is uh, also one of the side effects of ingesting this plant. The common name, by the way, is, uh, I think, is it Gigibong? G-E-J-E-B-O-N-G? Gigibong? But uh, it's the folk name that really caught my attention. It's called Fairy Dreamflower. Fairy Dreamflower. I can't find out much about it other than uh, what was in an essay that Gary Fisher mailed to me the other day. But according to this article, uh, the first recorded use of the herb dates back only to 1998. But uh, then it goes on to give details about the enchanting, intoxicating possibilities. And, uh, oh, there's quotes a poem back, uh, it was published in 1867, and other ancient sources. Uh, I won't bore you with all of the uh, glowing trip reports that have come from people who inhaled a breath or two of this flower's fragrance. But I'll give you a hint of what they thought by telling you the title of the article about it. <laughs> and don't try to tell me that you wouldn't put everything else aside and read this article right away, too, if it came in the mail. Because uh, the title is, Is There Sex After Death? <laughs> and apparently the answer is yes, uh, but it helps if you've got a little fairy dream flower in your pillow. So uh, if any of you saloners down under know something about this, I'd love to hear more about it. Well, before I go, I should mention that this and all of the podcasts from the Psychedelic Salon are protected under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 2.5 license. If you have any questions about this, you can just click on the link at the bottom of the Psychedelic Salon webpage, which you can find a lot of different ways. Matrixmasters.com slash podcast is one way. And if you still have any questions, just send them to Lorenzo at Matrixmasters.com. Thanks again to my friends at Chateau Hayuk for the use of your music here in the salon, and uh, also a big thank you to Matteo for stopping by and sharing a few more of his stories with us. And thank you for being with us again here in the Psychedelic Salon. And for now, this is Lorenzo signing off from Cyberdelic Space. Be well, my friends. Be well, my friends.